Okay, welcome everyone, nice to see you, and um, if you're visiting us this morning, then hope you enjoy being with us, uh, you're very, very welcome, and if you haven't met me before, yeah, my name is Matthew, and uh, I have a cough, and today we're starting a new series uh, on Jesus stories, and we're going to be exploring these over the summer. Now, stories are an essential ingredient in the fabric of human life, aren't they? We love stories. We all tell stories. We tell and hear stories every day. Stories shape our lives, our experience, our understanding of the world. We all have our favorite stories. Nations have their stories that they tell another, one another. And we have our favorite storytellers as well, don't we? We celebrate storytellers. Stand-up comedians are very popular storytellers. These are a few of my favorites. The one on the end is particularly good. The only problem is if you're not from Wales, no one can understand him. So that's why he's not made it to the big time. But he's got some very funny stories. But we love stories, don't we? Funny stories, they stick in the memory. Surprising stories, shocking stories, things that have amazing details or inspirational things about them. These are the stories that we remember. And the best stories, they draw you in, don't they? And you almost, you can visualize yourself there. You become a part of the story as you listen to it. I remember a few years ago, I went to see the film Interstellar in the cinema. And I went with Ben uh, Brown. And it was just after they had their little baby Isaac. And often when me and Ben meet up, we might go for a game of football or we'll go for a run or go for a walk. But he, the baby hadn't been sleeping so well, so he was pretty tired. So we decided to do something relaxing. We would just go to the cinema. We went to watch Interstellar. And I was, this film drew me right in. There was these, you know, astronauts and the world is dying and they'd go off and there'd been some wormhole and there was another planet they were going to find and they were going through space and then there was a problem on the the spacecraft and someone had, you know, done this and that and there was an explosion and it was like not just the crew were in danger but the whole fate of the world was in their hands and I was gripped, I was on the edge of my seat, I was leaning forward, I could feel my heart pounding in my chest, I was so into it and it was when I gasped out loud that suddenly it's like the spell broke and I realized where I was, (laughs) I wasn't in a spaceship, I was in the middle of Odeon Cinema. With all these people around me, and I was like, oh no. (laughs) And I turned to look at Ben, a bit embarrassed to see if he'd notice how into it I was, and he was sat there fast asleep. (laughs) So there we go, I was into it. So good stories, they draw us in, they leave us pondering and thinking about it, and they can have a a shape and an influence on our lives. And so we're going to be looking at some of the stories that Jesus told. Now, Jesus was an incredible communicator. And people would travel from all over to listen to Jesus. His teaching amazed the crowds. And he specifically told um, a lot of parables and a lot of stories as part of his teaching. And isn't it amazing that even today, over 2,000 years later, we are still discussing and listening to the stories that Jesus told. That's how amazing that they were. And... What made Jesus such a great communicator, though? It wasn't just what he said, but it was who he was. You know the phrase, um, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And with Jesus, he was both the message and he was the messenger and he was the message himself. And it wasn't just about what he said, but it was about who he was, that Jesus loves people. And when people were around Jesus, they felt loved. 
and they experience the love of God for them because Jesus loves people and Jesus loves you and you are important to him. And the crowds, when they would gather to see Jesus, they were full of people who were often on the outcasts of society and on the margins and the fringes and people who have been pushed aside, people who have been looked down upon, people that um, were not the respectable people in society. But they knew that when Jesus was there, that he loved them and that they were important to him and that they had value. And so the crowds would gather to listen. And the religious leaders and the Pharisees, when they would see the crowds, this would stir up a real jealousy in them because look at all these people listening to Jesus who aren't listening to us. And it stirred a real jealousy. And of course, Jesus' teaching and his stories, he (laughs) interspersed them with miracles and healing and demonstrations of the power of God and that it's real and that God's love makes a difference in our lives. And that's been our experience as a church, isn't it? In all kinds of ways. As we've been doing Mission to Wales, for example, this last year, where we go out into the streets and we share God's love with people that we meet. One of the things we've noticed this year is how loved people have felt and how open they are to hear that God loves them and how needed that is. And there's a great story with Laura and Adam when they were chatting to um, one guy and they went up to him and said, God loves you, has an amazing plan for your your life. And they shared with him and he'd been going through a really difficult time and they prayed for him. And he was a Christian, um, but he'd been struggling with some different things in his life over a number of years and some addictions and things. And he'd had a recent tragedy just two weeks before where his sister had passed away. And he was saying, this is... This is exactly what I needed. I know that God loves me. I know that God's speaking to me. And then after they prayed for him, he said to Adam and Laura, he was like, oh, I was wondering what you guys were doing because I'd been looking down the road and I'd seen this tall lad talking to a, to a group of people going back and forth. And I thought, oh, he looks so really nice the way he was chatting to everyone. I was wondering what you were doing. And it was Russo. And he'd be watching Russo and Chloe. And people could sense and feel the love of God. And when we do our experiences, isn't it, up at Penland, and uh, where we run our projects, and we did our um, sports day a few weeks ago, Adam's just recovering from his hamstring in the 20-meter dash, and, uh, but every time we do these experiences, and as a church, we come together, and we're engaging with our community there, people experience, and they know the love of God, and you do an amazing job. I remember one time, we'd been running this football club, and then this uh, dad, uh, with his two boys who've been coming along. And, um, <coughs> sorry, they came to our Christmas experience, then they came to our Easter experience, then our summer barbecue. And uh, they were having a great time, and they were just really enjoying it. And he was thinking, oh, do you know what? This is so nice. I'd like to work here. And so he was saying to me, so, so how, how, do you get to, how do you get a job here? How do you work here? Because he thought all the church, that obviously we were employed, didn't realize it was the church serving people. And I was like, oh, well, everyone here is a part of the church. And uh, so, you know, we're just um, volunteering or getting involved. And he was like, oh, right. Oh. And then he shouted to his girlfriend, Kimberly, they're a church. They are. That's why everyone's so nice. <laughs> And then at our last Christmas experience, there's this one lady who comes every single time and brings her family. And then uh, we dropped around some food parcels uh, to her family um, for Christmas. 
And uh, when I was in the doorway and we were chatting and I was um, just giving the food that someone in the church had donated very kindly, um, I could see that her hands were all swollen. And um, I asked her how, how it was and she had arthritis and she was in pain with them. So I offered to pray for her. And I said, well, you know, at the church, we pray for people all the time. And just like Jesus healed people in the Bible, Jesus heals people today when we pray. Can I pray for you? And she said, oh, okay, go on then. So I just put my hand on his shoulder and it was in the door. I came in because it was freezing outside. It was in the doorway. I just said, in the name of Jesus, I command all this pain to go and for these hands to be healed. Amen. And then I said, move them now and see how they are. And she moved them and the pain had left. The swelling was still there, but the pain had left. She could move them. She was amazed. And I said, how is it now? But the thing she was most amazed about is she looked at me and she said, when you prayed then, she said, I just felt it was like a beam of love shoot right through me. I've never felt love like that before. And she experienced the deep love of God that he has for her and that he has for every single one of us. And so with Jesus, when he told these stories, it wasn't just information that he was communicating, but people would experience the love of God. And Jesus' parables are connected to him as a person. And if you separate the parables from the person, then you lose the meaning of them or you lose the essence of them. It was a little bit like in the office next week. You're featuring a lot in my talk today, Ads. I don't know why. But in the office this week on Thursday, I was writing this talk about parables and thinking about the stories and stuff like that. And then I came uh, into the kitchen and we were having some lunch and Beth was there and Adam was there. And then Beth turns around and uh, Ad, uh, sorry, Adam turns around and he often gives funny stories, as you know. And he, he started one off like this. And he went, well, last night, and I was thinking, oh, here we go. Is, is going to be a good one? He went, last night, I had salad for tea. And I had tomatoes and peppers and peas and mint. And I was thinking, and? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? It's like, come on, Adam, put you up on the screen with Michael McIntyre, and this is what this is the content you're giving me. He's gone really downhill, and that was it. That was the story. And I was like, oh, great story, Ad. But Beth, she was like, oh wow, that's amazing. Yeah, what was it like? Oh, how did it taste? I was like, what's on about? But anyway, it worked out. After a little while, I feel Adam could see I was looking confused, and he said to me, "I've been growing all those things in my garden." And I was like, oh, right. So it makes sense now. And uh, the story only made sense connected with, you know, what Adam was doing and what he'd been up to. And in the same way with Jesus' parables, they're not just like isolated lessons, but they're connected to who Jesus is and what he has for us. So it's important we see them together. So let's have a quick look then. What are parables? And then we're going to um, look at an example together. So here we go. So parables then. Um, parables, it comes from a Greek word, parabole, and it's from the Hebrew word, mashal, which you find in the Old Testament. And these included, <coughs> excuse me, stories, songs, proverbs, and riddles. Um, so it was more than just little stories, but they, all of these things um, comes under this category. Now, when we think about Jesus' parables and stories and riddles and these kind of things, we often compare them to other fables, don't we, or moral tales that we've grown up with, like Aesop's fables, um, which are very famous and um, uh, very ancient as well, and are retold today. Um, the boy who cried wolf and the rabbit in the hare. I remember this one being told in my primary school. I, I still remember the day the head teacher told this story. Do you know the one of the dog and his reflection? Do you know about this one? About a dog? Oh, you don't know this one. So basically this dog, 
he gets um, he gets finds a nice meaty bone and he's you know he's stolen it from somewhere and he's taking it home like ready to eat. And as he as he's walking home, he crosses over a bridge and he looks down and he sees his reflection in the bridge. And he thinks, oh, that looks like a tasty bone that that dog's has. I want that one. And so he barks at his reflection and he drops the bone into the, into the lake and he loses his bone. I can't remember. I mean, you, you, know, you, get the, you get the story. I don't know why the head teacher was telling it. Obviously, something would be going on. Someone stole someone's yo-yo or something. But <laughs> in it goes. But, you know, there we are. So, so, I like that one. You, I expect nothing more of a dog, to be honest. Um, or Tammy. So recently we had this like um, party, and Tammy had organised a quiz, and it was a very competitive quiz, and my team won. But there were a few controversial moments during the quiz, and as Tammy was referee, I did have to take up. Um, there was a few, you know, a bit of cheating going on from the girls, especially Karis, and uh, some other things. I had to take it up with her. And then a couple of weeks later, it was my birthday, and Tammy very kindly bought me this book. Clearly, I needed a lesson. Liam wins the game sometimes. A story about losing with grace. And so um, I've been reading this, and I found this helped me a lot. Um, Anyway, so we have these different fables, these different stories, but Jesus' parables, they come from uh, like a different culture and a different origin. And uh, parables were uh, a part of the Jewish culture, and we see them throughout the Old Testament as well. And the rabbis around Jesus' time had like a tradition of telling parables as well. And you can see them in some rabbinic texts. Uh, But the thing with these parables is they often focused on like royal courts and um, in these kind of scenarios. And they would reinforce the contemporary values and customs and cultures, and they would reinforce them for the society. Whereas Jesus' parables, he used scenes from everyday life, didn't he, as well? You know, there'd be farmers and um, fishermen and family life and all these different things. And Jesus' parables were turning conventional values upside down and on their head. He was doing the opposite because he was bringing in things about the kingdom of God, like the last will be first. And it was blowing people's minds because it was coming from a completely different angle. Now for us today, we're familiar with these ideas, but for people at the time, it was brand new. And so Jesus used these commonplace images that everyone could understand to explain kingdom principles, which were almost brand new to people. And so Matthew, he describes it this way and says, Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. And this fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Isaiah. I will speak to you in parables. I will, (coughs) excuse me, I'll explain things hidden since the creation of the world. And now this is the really interesting part about Jesus' parables, is that on the one hand, he was using the everyday images to make them very accessible. But on the other hand, they had real mystery to them. And rather than making things clear or crystal clear, they often sounded like riddles and would be confusing. And they often came without the explanation. And people would be listening to him thinking, What's he saying here? And it wasn't actually making it super clear, but Jesus was drawing people in. He wanted to engage them in this so that they would draw closer to him because the parables weren't just communicating information, but he was drawing people into relationship with him. 
Now, sometimes it's hard for us to appreciate this when we read them because we're so often used to hearing them as part of a sermon where it gets explained straight away or in like a kid's spot or a school assembly where we always start it with, Jesus once told a story to show us how much God loves us and that we can always turn to him and be forgiven. And this was the story he told. And we start off with the explanation, don't we? And so we don't give people a chance to kind of mull it over and figure it out for themselves. And I think often that's how we like it, isn't it? You know, with our exams and stuff, and when you're in school, we just want to know the answer to pass the test, to get the qualification, to get through the exam. Or if you're learning something new, you might just be, just show me what to do, or just tell me how to do it, and then I'll do it for myself. That's how we often like it, isn't it? But we all know that the best teachers, they don't just give you the answer, but they give you the skills to work it out for yourself so that you can do it yourself later on. I used to have this lecturer at uni when I was in my first year, and he was from the Middle East, and he was an amazing lecturer, history lecturer, and he was actually in the UK in exile because he'd written a book that had challenged the government, he'd had to flee, and now he's lecturing here, and he would never tell you the answer. And you know, coming from school and then to uni, it was so frustrating. We'd be sat there in his seminars, and we'd be like trying to ask him, but what do you think, sir, without saying, but what do you think, sir? Because he would, he would never say, and none of us ever knew if we were getting it right. But he, wasn't, he didn't want us to try and get it right. He wanted us to think. But he always used to speak in riddles as well. And half the time, we didn't know what he was on about. His favorite one, which he used a few times, he would go, when you're in the dark, you look for a light, not a key. And we all be sat there, ah... Okay, but, but what's that got to do with this essay I've got to write? <laughs> you know what I mean? And from, so one time he gave me some feedback on my essay, and it's the only feedback I ever remember on an essay. And this is what he said to me. He said, you have written me, or this essay was like a mixed salad, and I was looking for a sushi meal. And that's all he put <laughs> on the mark. I was like, what the heck does that mean? But to be fair, I did figure it out, and um, it was very helpful, actually. Um, And it's the only piece of feedback I remember. So there we go. Now, Jesus, he was an excellent teacher. And Jesus' stories, even when we read them now, sometimes we read them and think, well, what does that mean? Or that seems confusing. Or that doesn't seem very much like Jesus. But that's good when we think like that. That's good. That's what Jesus wants, because Jesus isn't just trying to communicate information. He isn't just trying to say, this is a story to tell you how to be a good person. Or this is a story with a moral lesson that you can read and think, oh yeah, that's useful. I'll take that on board and get on with the rest of my life with that helpful bit of information. That's not what Jesus is doing. Jesus is drawing us into relationship with God. And he's revealing more of what God is like. And as we draw closer to Jesus and discover who he is as a person, the parables make sense. And they reveal more and more uh, to us and to our lives. Because it's about who he is and his character. And so then, for this reason, even though sometimes they're confusing, anyone can understand them. It's like a bit of a paradox, because they weren't just like confusing riddles that only the philosophers and the clever thinkers would get, but it's all about relationship. Just like with Adam's salad, I didn't know what was going on, because I didn't know that about Adam. But Beth, she knew, because they talked about that already. It's about relationship. And so even children can understand, and even children can get this. And Jesus said this, at that time, Jesus prayed this prayer, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and and for revealing it 
and for revealing them to the child like, yes, Father, it pleased you to do it in this way. And so anyone can hear the message of Jesus and understand because it's about who Jesus is and it comes from a place of relationship. And so when we get confused, that's good. That's a good place to be and it draws us in. Recently, we took the youth away to a, a, a trip in, uh, called Spree, like a camp. And there was one little lad <coughs> who came along. And uh, a few years ago, uh, his dad um, came to some of our projects and things. He got prayed for. He got healed of a neck injury. And now uh, his lads come to our youth. And one of them came along who's just turned 11. So he's one of the youngest there. Uh, in, and we were in these like, youth meetings and things. And he had a great time. But a lot of the content and stuff was probably... I was thinking probably a bit over his head because he was a young one. Do you know what I mean? And uh, you're trying to like, keep him entertained and stuff as it's going on. And then anyway, so we came back. The next week at youth, he runs up to me and he says, Matthew, I really want to get baptized. And I was like, oh, wow. Um, well, what makes you want to get baptized? He's like, well, I really want to become a Christian. Um, and so... I began to explain what baptism means. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. You did that in youth before. I know it already. Um, But I began to explain again, you know, just to make sure. (laughs) And I was like, um, I don't always trust myself to do a good job. But anyway, I explained about, you know, Jesus and turning um, from our, uh, from our sin and choosing to follow him and living the rest of our life for him. And he goes, yeah, I know. I've been doing that already. And I just want to get baptized. And uh, this young lad, he had taken it all in and he'd, he'd understood it. And I was thinking, it, you know, would be going over his head. And you could see in his face and in the way he was saying that this was real uh, to him. And he'd really take it on board. So it's anyone, you know, anyone um, can hear these things. And so what we're going to do now, we're going to have a little look uh, at an example and, um, of one of the parables. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they, um, they used a parable to explain why Jesus used parables. Um, so it's like a parable within a parable, if you like. And um, so we're going to have a little look at that one together. And what I want to encourage this, us to do is to almost hear it like we were in the crowd for the very first time. And hear it fresh, if we can. So let's have a little look together. So first of all, it's in Matthew 13, and a little bit of context to it. So Jesus, he'd been traveling for a while now. He'd been healing the sick. He'd been teaching about the kingdom of God, how God isn't far away, but that he's close, that he's at hand, and that he wants relationship with everyone, that he's coming to restore and rescue the world, and we're invited to be a part of that. And that's why Jesus went on to die on the cross, so we could be forgiven for the things we've done wrong. He brought us back into relationship with God. Jesus is alive today, and he comes in to our lives when we ask him. And Jesus had been explaining the kingdom of God and these things about to happen. And he'd been demonstrating it by healing the sick. Large crowds were coming, but also the Pharisees and the religious leaders and the political leaders, they were coming along. And Jesus had some confrontations with them now. And Matthew's recording these confrontations. So the Pharisees saw what Jesus did, heard what Jesus said, and decided they wanted none of it. And in fact, they even went on to plan to kill him. And they were planning to kill him already at this stage. And then you also got Jesus' family who were beginning to doubt him and were worried about him and tried to take him away and take him back home because they thought, oh, look at all these crowds. What's Jesus doing? And so they were doubting him as well. And then, of course, you had the crowds and his followers were drawing in closely. So you've got this mixed reception going on. And then it's into this that they say, this is why Jesus shared parables. So let's have a look together. It's at the start of Matthew 13. And this is what it says. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. 
a large crowd soon (coughs) gathered around him. So he got into a boat. Then he sat there and taught as many people stood on the shore. And he told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, but still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much had been planted. Anyone with ears should hear, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Or when we used to read this in school, anyone with years to year, let him hear. <laughs> and that's it. And that's, that's all that Jesus said. That's what Jesus said to the crowd. Now imagine that you were there on the beach. Maybe we're walking past. Maybe you'd come to see Jesus. And that's all you got. What would you think? What would you think? Maybe the Pharisees who were there, and they had just come to test Jesus and to accuse him. And they were there saying, you know, what are you really about? And what do you want? If they were there, they just want to hear something straight from Jesus that they can have a go at him about. And so when Jesus says, let me tell you a story. A farmer went to sow some seeds. They'd be thinking, what's he on about? What's this guy on about? Or maybe if you're a passerby and you see this big crowd and you lean in and you listen and you might think about it for a while, but then maybe just go on with your day and forget about it. Or maybe if it really drew you in, you might think about it a bit longer. And you might go home and chat over it with some friends later. What do you think, what do you think that guy Jesus was talking about? With the, what do you think the, the different, you know, what's that sower doing? Why is he chucking it on the path? What's that about? Or maybe then, if you were like the disciples and the followers of Jesus, and you were drawn in by this, you would do what they did. And they went and asked Jesus about it later and said, explain it to us. And so Mark records, it says, later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. And of course, the disciples, when it says the disciples, it doesn't just mean the 12. It means the followers of Jesus, the whole crowd of them who were drawing closer and closer. And they were drawn in and asked him. And so Jesus gives them an explanation. And he first says, this is why I've told parables. And then he explains the parable. So firstly, he says this, Jesus replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. And that is why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. And they hear, but they don't really listen or understand. So what's Jesus saying here? Jesus, in these stories, he's revealing who God is, what God's like, more of the kingdom of heaven, and also his teaching, his miracles. All of these are revealing who God is, and he's taking people by surprise. It's not what they expected. Paul, for example, he wrote wrote to one church. He said, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so Jesus, he is revealing 
who God is. But he's drawing all these different reactions. And so for the Pharisees who saw Jesus' miracles and then rejected him and turned away, they had closed their hearts to Jesus. And whatever Jesus did, it just drove them further and further away because their hearts were already closed. And so every time they saw a miracle, it's like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. It was the Sabbath day. Or, oh, well, he gets his power from Satan. Or, you know, and they were just driving further away. And so Jesus is saying, even what little understanding they had, they're getting less and less and less because their hearts are closed. They see, but they can't see. They've closed their eyes. They refuse to understand And so he goes further and says, this fulfills the prophecy Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. And when you see what I do, you will not comprehend for the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. And they've closed their eyes so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn so I could heal them. So Jesus, you know, they've rejected him. They were closed. But on the other hand then, in the crowd, Jesus is saying there's open-hearted people who are coming and they're thirsty and they want to know more. And Jesus is saying their ears are opened and their eyes are seeing. And when I share these parables, what's hidden to some whose hearts are closed is being revealed by the Holy Spirit to those whose hearts are open. They'll understand with their hearts. So Jesus said, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. So for those who are coming with closed hearts, and to attack Jesus, these parables were concealing the truth. And in some ways, they were protecting Jesus at this time. So they couldn't just like arrest him and stone him straight away because it was concealing some of the secrets. But for those who had open hearts, it was revealing the secrets and the Holy Spirit was revealing to people. And it wasn't about understanding in their mind, but Jesus understanding in their hearts. And the Holy Spirit was revealing it to them. So that's why Jesus explained, this is why I've used parables. So sometimes when we feel like, oh, this is a bit confusing. That's okay, because we, as we come with an open heart, the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. Okay, are you with me? Okay, so for us then, when we read these parables and we go over this series, a top, some just a top tip for us for this series is this, is to stop, look, and listen. Okay, like when you were a kid and you were learning to cross the road. How many times in this little section is Jesus saying to listen and to see and to look and to hear? And for us, when we come to these parables and when we come to Scripture, we've got to stop, look, and listen. Very simple. So firstly, stop. Our lives are so busy, aren't they? And it's hard to slow down. And it's hard to stop sometimes and really just approach God and give him focused attention. But that's really important. You know, if we turn our phone off and just take however, you know, if you get five minutes away from the kids in the summer holidays or 10 minutes or longer, but to stop and to put the other things aside and to open our heart and say, Holy Spirit, please speak to me. I want to see and I want to listen. And then to look with fresh eyes that when we come to scripture, we look with fresh eyes and we allow it to speak for itself and not always bring our own thoughts to the page or our own, this is what I want to get today to the page, but allow it to speak for itself. You know these days when you get these like telly sales, and back in the day they would say, oh hi, I was just ringing to see if you'd had an accident, <laughs> as they do in there. These days they just, they ring you up and they say, oh hi, I'm just calling about the accident that you had within the last three years. And 
I'm like, oh, have I? I did not have an accident. These days, they're not asking you if you've had an accident. You went to make a claim. They're telling you you've had an accident. I'm like, oh, which one's that? When I dropped the glass uh, in the house and it smashed. I didn't ever get compensation for that. Anyway, so we want to come to it and let it speak for itself. And then lastly, to listen. And as we are open to what Jesus has to say and we allow it to speak for itself, the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart. And sometimes you reveal something about us. You reveal something in our own heart that we can bring to God. Or sometimes you reveal something more about Jesus or more about the kingdom of God that we can thank God for and that we can look into. So these are our things. So stop, look, and listen. So let's have a little practice. This is the last bit, I promise. And we're going to listen to Jesus' explanation of the parable. And as we do, let's stop, really focus on it, listen, look first, <laughs> and then listen and see what the Holy Spirit has to say. And we're just going to let it speak for itself um, as we read it. So, Jesus said this next. Now listen (coughs) to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. I remember when it says don't understand, it's not just not understanding it conceptually, but it's understanding in our heart. The Bible word for knowledge and understand isn't um, the same as us. So I know I'm explaining now, but when we say um, knowledge, we think of things that you know in your head. But the Bible word for knowledge in, in that language was experience. It was an experiential knowledge. So, for example, when it says the, the garden, the garden was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It didn't mean knowing, just knowing right from wrong, but it's experiencing right from wrong. Does that make sense? So it's, a, it's more than just understanding. Okay, so the seeds that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the mess about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are being persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on the good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's words and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Great. Shall we pray? Jesus, we thank you that you were such an amazing communicator and that you are full of love. And that whenever we draw close to you, we experience your love for our lives, even today because you are alive. And I thank you that you speak into our hearts and that these parables speak into our lives today. And Lord, we just pray that as we go through this series together, that you would open up our hearts and we would see these things with fresh eyes. We would discover new things and you would draw us deeper into our relationship with you through them. In Jesus' name, amen.